Hello and welcome to Harvest Church Podcast. Harvest Church is based in sunny Durban, South Africa. We are a family of believers who are passionate about Jesus. We really hope this message inspires you today. Good morning, good morning. Good to see everybody. Well done for braving uh, the weather. If you had to brave it, otherwise, well done just for for coming. And um, Jesus, I want to say thank you for who you are and who you revealed yourself to be. And I thank you today again that you're going to reveal yourself for who you really are in each individual's heart. And I thank you for your presence. Jesus, we honor you and I honor you for the real privilege and honor to share this morning. I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're here. I thank you for your revealing. I thank you for your teaching and I thank you for your anointing. Amen. Amen. I've got some stories. I've got some revealings. I've got some passion. I've got some awe in regards with what I want to share this morning, and, um, and really it's come out of having conversations with people. I've got a mandate, because I'm a pastor, and often deal with folk that have come into the kingdom and into the church, got, got saved, and then walking people through that, so um, my real desire, and, and often my happiest places, is to meet people that haven't met Jesus yet, and because um, I, I think I've got a quite a good grasp of who he is, uh, especially the goodness and the kindness of God that leads towards a change and, and repentance in people's lives. And so I'm, I'm like, I, I have to have a minimum of 30% of people that are yet to come in to understand the saving knowledge of Jesus and all its fullness. I, I really want 30% because it's, uh, I, otherwise I just feel like I'm not relevant as standing up here. What I'm going to do is only um, speaking to people who kind of often, it's, it's the, the phrase often pre- uh, preaching to the choir, but I've also realized that often some of my preaching is not actually to the choir, it's, 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 it's maybe a bit con- confrontational or revealing or all of those, those amazing things. So it comes out of, of, of COVID and then comes out of um, this thing of, of us all in case of any experiencing riots and then and then experiencing um, floods, and I have conversations with people with real mixed realities of where the pain and all the suffering and all of that comes from. And Jesus wants us to know this. He says it in John 14, if you can put, put it up for me, but the, the whole revealing of Jesus was this, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. I'm going to tell some stories in between that of some people I've engaged with. and um, So let's read that together. The first thing that Jesus says, and he was about to leave, the context was he was about to leave, and all his disciples were like, listen, we've given up everything to follow you, and now you're going. And he's like, do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house, there are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you that I go and prepare a place for you. And if I go prepare a place for you, I'll come again 
and will take you to myself that where I am, you may also be. If someone of our wonderful Harvest family can go to the guys in the kitchen and just ask them to stop having a party there so I cannot get distracted, that'll be amazing. Thank you. I'm easily distracted. And it carries on. He says, and you know the way to where I'm going. Thomas said to them, Lord, we do not know where you're going. How can we know the way? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. See, his language. People haven't seen the Father, but Jesus says, you do know him now, and you have seen him. Philip didn't catch it. He said, show us the Father, and that's enough for us. And Jesus said to him, I've been with you so long, and you still do not know me, Philip. Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I'm in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I'm in the Father and the Father is in me, or else on account of the works themselves. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do, because I'm going to the Father. Jesus presents himself to this place as if you've seen me, and everything that I've done, and everything that I've been a part of, everything that you have said that is impossible, I've showed you that nothing's impossible. If you've seen me, you see the Father. Jesus came to represent the Father. He came in a system where you could only know and experience God if you had fulfilled all the rules, all the laws. And Jesus came and he undid all of that and he revealed the true heart of the Father. Now the Father, it never ever changed. It was the law that was placed upon people. You do good, you get good. You do bad, you get bad. The Father never ever wanted that system to be instituted. Man chose that. And they said to ourselves, just give us a law that we can believe and we will prove to the Father that we are his children. Moses goes up the mountain, he comes down and all of a sudden there's a golden calf that they're worshiping and Aaron was like, poof, it just appeared. See, man cannot in themselves prove to God who they fully are, obeying rules with a heart that has not been changed. Jesus came and he undid that, and he said, everything that you see here is the Father. He said, if you don't want to believe that I'm in the Father, believe my works. What did Jesus do? In the context of a storm, what did he do? He calmed the storm. In the context of someone in pain, he brought healing. In the context of funerals, he shifted them and he changed them. In context of people not being able to eat, he multiplied. He brought a superior kingdom to where he was. Why? Revealing what the Father ultimately has for you and I. And I want to help us see some of maybe as believers we have got a contradiction in our beliefs about covenant and what covenant that we are here in. Now, as the believers, as 
Jesus has finished the work and he's been raised from the dead and he is now seated in the heavenly places with the Father, releasing the Holy Spirit. You've seen me, you've seen the Father. And in this place and space, I've come and I've had many conversations with people who are convinced of where all the devastation is coming from. And unbelievers that I've met, they believe in karma and they, God is angry at somebody. And uh, I'll tell you a story now. And more troubling than that, I've had some believers like, no, God is judging Durban. So I want to take us through a little theological journey. This is a 12-week series that I'm going to try and push together and help us understand who the Father is in the context of where we live and how we live. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Do you, if you get this and we can all go home, did you ever see Jesus do any of the stuff that people say that God is currently doing? Okay, there's one really good now. That's awesome. You see, and we can bring it into our personal life. God, my finances. God is withholding from me because I've done something. Do you see Jesus doing that? Oh God, I'm sick because I've done something. That, do, you, do you see Jesus doing that? And Jesus has come to reveal the Father. So I had a conversation, two parties, and I love it that the sports fields are open again at schools. Because now I get to meet a fellow dad on the side of the field that I haven't met, and we are supporting the same team, and they just need a win. That's it. I don't care about the other school. I don't care about the other parents. They must stay there. Me and my new mate, we want our side to win. So that's just the awesome thing about being along the, the side of the, the field. And then you get chatting. And I was chatting to a friend of mine in Durban, a, a new friend of mine, I could say. And because you probably, Durban's small, so if I mention names, someone's going to know this someone. So I'm just not going to because it's recorded high online. So I'm having a conversation, and common ground, you talk about all the stuff that's going on. And this guy says to me, oh, God is angry. And I said, no, I didn't know you believed in God. And he says, I don't. <laughs> and I said, then, which God is angry? He's like, which God, which God are you actually talking about? He says, well, surely the man upstairs is angry with what's going on. He says, these floods are because of the people of the riots. So I said, ooh, I love it. You've just set yourself up for failure, my mate. Ooh. But I love it because the Bible says the measure that you judge, you open yourself to have the same judgment, and I wanted to reveal that to him. So I said, you know, there's another law. I said, have you heard of the Ten Commandments? He said, oh, I've heard of the Ten Commandments. And I said, so tell me, what constituted in your mindset, what did they do wrong that deserved such punishment and such judgment that you and me, who have done all the good things, are also going through suffering? Oh, I didn't have water for a full day. You know? I mean, like, it's like people are really suffering. Do you know what I'm saying? So we're having a conversation and he's like, usually people just jump on this bandwagon and we have the same conversation and we end up 
complaining and grumpy is, what, what do you, he says, what do you do? And I said, I don't want to tell you what I do. <laughs> uh, I said, because we're having a conversation, we've started it and we're going to finish it. I'm a pastor. He said, oh, no. <laughs> so I said to him, and I, I asked him, the two, the two at the top that uh, usually everybody kind of fits into, because I said, you know, if you judging by that law of what they did wrong, can I ask you a couple of questions around similar laws? He said, okay. I said, um, have you ever looked at a woman with lust in your eyes? He's like, what? Who told you? I said, <laughs> I said no. And I said, have you, ever, have, have you ever been angry? I said, yeah, I'm currently angry. I said, well, Jesus says you're an adulterer and you're a murderer. He says, never. I said, you see, Jesus raised the level of the law that you deem judgeable for others. He raised it to the law of your heart. He said, even if you've not done it but thought it, you're it. He's like, wow, that's quite hardcore. I said, it is hardcore. And I said, but here's the thing. Jesus came, and he became the redeemer of all of the judgment and all of the punishment that you think everybody else but yourself is deemed worthy of, he took it upon himself that you and I now can be free. He says, why have I never ever heard that? I said, well, I don't know, determined what churches you've been to. And he says, but I've never heard that from a Christian. He says, are you weird? I said, no, I'm not weird. (laughs) I said, I read the Bible. I said, I read the Bible. I said, but here's it. I don't have covenant confusion. He's like, covenant confusion. I said, I believe the finished work of Jesus. And I, want, I said, can I tell you who God really is through the lenses of seeing Jesus? And then we opened up the Gospels. So I've got a new friend now. And he's so interested because it works in every area of your life. You know, Jesus says, don't be troubled. I'm troubled at a whole bunch of things. I'm troubled where society is. I'm, I'm troubled with the, the loss of identity and even within gender realities of what the narrative is to accept. And then I have to lose my convictions based, based around what culture deems. I said, no, no, when I'll, no, I won't ever lose my convictions because I know who the Father is because I've seen the Father being revealed through Jesus. And you see, it's only the cross that will reveal the love of God. And the love of God reveals the grace of God for you to come in to the kingdom to be changed. And that grace of God then reveals more grace. And when you get more grace revealed to you, you start to see the, the, the goodness of God, the kindness of God, the mercy of God. And then not only that, inside of that grace, we start to tap into the authority of God to bring change like Jesus See, that's the whole basis of a new creation. If you want to hear some of that, you listened to a couple of weeks ago when Alexander Fentus spoke of that, the first garden and the second garden. And we are multipliers of a new creation, not an old creation. It's broken. You see, friends, we are not a Christian nation. just want to let you know that. We are Christians in a nation. We're discipling the nation. But we're definitely not a Christian nation. No, we're a nation of wickedness, of ancestral worship, of evil. There's so many things. We're we're a a nation of religion. So many different religions. But you and I, if we don't understand the gospel of peace, we don't have a message to share with anybody. 
So my, my whole thing is, I'm glad I've met my new mate because actually he gets a view of God that's different from what he's heard. I go to another friend's house who's been saved for a couple of years, I mean 40, and he had the same message to share about what's happening in Durban than my friend who doesn't know God. And I think that's really troubled my heart. More than anything, if Jesus says, let not your hearts be troubled, my, my heart is troubled. My heart is troubled with, with poverty. My heart is troubled, troubled with the, the state of our nation. My heart is troubled with corruption, my, the theft, the poverty, the uh, angry people, angry Christians. My heart's troubled with all of these things. And then Jesus is like, no, no, you just have to go and reveal me in what you know of me. And go and remind people that their theology, the knowledge of God, and their Christology, the knowledge of Christ, has to merge. It has to be so intertwinable. It cannot be different. That's why I ask people, even saved people, God is, I said, which God? I said, not mine. And I want to show and share and reveal why. I want to ask you a question. Can you trust someone while being afraid of them? Can you fully trust someone when you are afraid of them? I don't think so. And often our mindset is, I want to trust God, and God's going, you're, some of our image, or not here, some of the other people's image of God is, hey, come closer. Oh, come closer. Look how nice I am. Look how kind I am. And then he pulls out the stick from the back here. Oh, I'm so nice. Come a little closer. Come, come. Bah! And that's what we believe God does. It's in many people's mindsets. Because we don't understand the current reality of the, where the world is, and Roman, Romans, when Paul wrote it, he's been speaking of it for such a long time that the earth is in growing pains. And he says, I want the sons and daughters of God to be revealed to what? To actually help it in its restoration. That's what we're here for. It's in growing pains, and it's going to remain there until the sons and the daughters of God start revealing to the world who the Father is like Jesus. Because he gave us the same package. And if you're going, no, but Jesus was God. No, Jesus emptied himself everything that looked like God in equality, and he emptied himself to become a man in the likeness of man. So the humanity of Christ is so important in the revealing of what authority in a man can produce. It's not God. Let me quickly read this. I shared this with my mate the other day too. He's like, Sheesh, what book are you reading from? Because I was paraphrasing. I'm like, no, it's the Bible, but it's a really good book. With the, if you've got the lenses of the new covenant, it's a magnificent book. But listen to this. If you want to understand where we're living and the times that we're living in. But understand this from 1 Timothy 3, from verses 1. But understand this, that in the last days, there will come times of difficulty. Oh, that's okay. It's true. For people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, 
arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents. Push a pause. Push a pause. Ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving God, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness but denying its power. And we can all think of someone in that space and that place. And then he carries on and he speaks of two guys that opposed Moses in that time. And it says this, those kind of people will not get very far for their folly will be plain to all as was to those men. There's so much folly that we can see because it's plain to us all, is it not? You don't have to go far. You can just go and watch the comedy show of politics. It, the folly is for us to all to see. But Paul says this. He says, you, however, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim, my life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions and my sufferings that happened to me all over these places, which persecutions I endured, yet from all of them the Lord rescued me. And then he carries on and he carries on and he carries on. He says, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for the training of righteousness. That the man and the woman of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. You see, if we've still got a relationship with God, that God is there and he's distant. Jesus is the good guy. I relate to Jesus because he did a whole bunch of good things, but I don't know about God. No, no, Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So understand the times and the days that we're living in. There's chaos. And you and I, God determined the places and the times that you would live in. Why? So we could carry on the restoration process, the restoration process. But you need a message. You need a message that speaks of man is reconciled to God through the working of Jesus. You need a message. Not a message of judgment, but a message that God has restored all things through Jesus. In Luke, let me go back to Luke quickly, and then I'm going to have to speed up based around time. You see, tradition has taught us a very unbiblical view of God, and religious people have tried to use fear as the motivation to obey God and become righteous. Luke, he says this, Luke 2.10. And it speaks about the angel coming to announce the birth of Jesus. He says, and the angel said to them, fear not. Fear not. Fear was the motivation in the, in the old covenant. They come and they pronounce something. Say, fear not. Behold, I bring to you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. All people. In Luke 2.14, it says, glory to God in the highest and peace on earth. Peace, good will to men. The peace is not man to man. Goodwill is not man to man. Peace and goodwill is from God to man. Who do we worship? We, we sing better theology than we know. And we go out the room and we forget the songs that we've sang that can actually shape our minds and our hearts to go and search the scriptures out for it. You see, why were the angels so amped? Why were they so amped? It's like glory to God in the highest. Why? For 4,000 years, man and God are going to be reconnected. 2 Corinthians, he who knew no sin, 
became sin for me that I might become the righteousness of God. God who was in Christ reconciling the world to themselves, not counting their sins against them. You see, the context of what we believe comes out of our mouth when it's close to us. The dangers of the church, secondhand theology. You choose to believe something that someone has said to be true and then you live it out. Go and search the scriptures out after I've preached. You don't need secondhand theology. You need something that is true to your own heart to believe it because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Second one is circumstance theology. Circumstance theology is the circumstances are so pressing in my life, I am now determining those circumstances to be from an author. And the author is usually God. No, circumstance theology, you have to get a theology that shapes your circumstances and your environment, not that shaping who you believe God to be. But because Durban is so close, and we don't really have the answers scripturally and biblically and theologically, we go to what culture is telling us or what religion tells us. Because some of it just makes sense. Oh, I'm sure that makes sense. And God's angry. He's, he's just going to let everyone suffer. But because Ukraine and the Russia war is far away, oh, we look at it now and then. And we go, oh, shame, peace. You know, we don't blame God for that. It's like Putin. You, you see, you see, so where the mix happens, but because it's close to us, we want to put the blame on someone for my suffering and for my pain. But I bless someone to blame. And unfortunately, God's getting the bad rap. Listen to what Romans 5, verse 8 to 11 says. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Since we have now been justified, made right in his sight by his blood, how much more shall we be saved through God's wrath through him? For if we were enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son. How much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Wow, guys. Not only this so, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, who through whom we have now received reconciliation. You've been included into God. 1 John 2, verse 1 and 2, it says this, My little children, these things I write to you so that you don't sin. It's just not good for you. The wages of it is death. If any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father. And it carries on and says, He is a propitiation for our sins, not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. Wow. An advocate, someone who speaks on your behalf. Propitiation, that word means to be satisfied. Jesus satisfied God. Why? Because he took the full brunt of what the law demanded for sin and punishment and righteousness. Jesus took fully upon himself. Fully upon himself. He didn't leave 1% out for Durban. He didn't. You see, friends, the, the working of the finished work of the cross is the revealing of the nature of God. So we have to let go of some of our belief systems that are contrary to that and are actually portraying the nature of God to be not who he really is. And we're still waiting for God to come. We render heaven's Lord come down and fix the mess. That's what Israel wanted from Jesus. And Jesus is like, guys, you've, you've missed the plot here. I'm going to deal with it spiritually. And then I'm going to say, tag, you're it. Now go and do what I did. 
But we're comfortable with a powerless Christianity. And I say that because I'm confronted with it consistently. Think about this. Put it in your own words. God's judgment against my sin is satisfied. God's need for me to be righteous is satisfied in Jesus, the gift that was given to you. The other time uh, along the side of the soccer field, cricket field, as my Islamic friends, because they're all friends now. We're making friends. I've got an aim. I'm an ambassador. You're going to come into my kingdom. But I don't talk Jesus with them. I talk righteousness with them. So I ask them all the time, because they want to debate Muhammad and Jesus and Allah. They want to debate there. I'm like, no, wait. I just want to ask you a question. With everything that you do, what deems you righteous before God? Can't answer me because they can't do it. So they said, okay, so what deems you as righteous? I said, Jesus. He gives it to me as a gift because I believe. Flawed. It can't be that easy. I said, it's not that easy because Christ becomes everything. But it does become easy because it's like he gives me something I could never obtain my own. He gives it to me as a gift. and changes my nature as a gift. He allows the Spirit of God to come live and abide in me as a gift. And the Spirit of God doesn't leave me when I make a mistake. He comes to live and abide. Why? Because my nature is no longer sin. My nature is righteous. So the Holy Spirit can live and abide. He's not fighting against the sin nature. He's abiding in a righteous nature. The outside of me has got some issues. But the issues are getting less and less and less. And less. And less. Let's put Isaiah 54 up. Are you guys good? We're in the air. We're slowly coming down on a descent. But I want you to go out this room, having one or two things settled in your mind. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Big time. Judgment was fully absorbed in Christ. Number two. Okay, so how do I answer the questions outside? Let's work through some scriptures. Isaiah 52, 53, 54, 55 all work together as a beautiful sandwich. Isaiah 52, 53, it's called the great exchange where Jesus took upon himself what you deserved and he gives you what he carried and what he lived by. Great exchange. How did you get there? You believed. You believed. You saw the love of God. You accepted the grace of God. You got transferred from a kingdom of darkness into a kingdom of light. Transformation happened. Change. Son. Daughter. How do we, now we start the journey. As I 54. This is a church to have covenant confusion. Go and read. Go and read the whole book. Covenant that's changed. A sacrifice that once. No more sacrifice. Once and for all, because it was perfect. For a brief moment, I abandoned you, but with deep compassion, I will bring you back in a surge of anger. I hid my face from you in a moment, speaking of Jesus. But with everlasting kindness, I have compassion on you, says the Lord, Lord, your Redeemer. I bring you back. I redeem you back to myself. To me, this is like the days of Noah when I swore that the, Noah, the waters of Noah would never cover the earth. So now I've sworn not to be angry with you 
to rebuke you again. When he says, this is the days of Noah, he goes back to Genesis 9, where God made a covenant with Noah after the whole earth was flooded with water. And he made a covenant with Noah, and he said, with you, Noah, and all the descendants of the earth, which includes you, and he includes creepy crawlies and birds and all of those kind of things. I wish mosquitoes got zapped then. But anyway, he makes a covenant. You and I are beneficiaries of that covenant. So if someone says to you, God is, God is doing this, you can blow the whistle and go, God made a covenant with Noah, I can't change it. He made it with Noah, I'm a beneficiary of it. You see, and then he, he puts a, a seal of that covenant as a rainbow. The scientists want to tell us different. Now, God put a seal as a rainbow in the sky, and he says, I'll never do that again. But more importantly for you and I in the new covenant, he says, I'll never be angry with you or rebuke you again. Let that sink in. Because here's the reality, we will rather more or, or, or get as a belief system and rely upon a seal of a rainbow, what God established with Noah, but deny a seal in his blood. Jesus and the Father made covenant together, and you and I are beneficiaries of that covenant. You cannot change the covenant that God made with Jesus. Therefore, God cannot change his mind about you because it's in covenant and it's sealed with the blood. And the Bible says this, and he gives you his Holy Spirit as a seal, as a guarantee of what is to come. There's a down payment in you called Holy Spirit. A seal, a guarantee that my eternity is secure. A seal, a guarantee, down payment. Seal, guaranteed, signed, sealed, delivered in the blood of Jesus. So when you look at a rainbow, remember two covenants. One, God, you're never going to be angry with me or rebuke you again. Okay, give me some understanding of my physical realities I live in. Number two, I'm in a new covenant that will never, ever be changed by me. Your nature got changed by your belief. He carries on and he says this, though the mountains be shaken and the hills be removed, yet my unfailing love for you will not be shaken nor my covenant of peace be removed, says the Lord who has compassion on you. Listen to the language, friends. It's such beautiful, profound language. But I wanna ask you this. When you go on your holiday to the Berg or just go to any mountain, just go to any mountain and drive past it, there is more of a reality of that mountain disappearing than his unfailing love for you being removed. Do you know that? There's more of a reality of every mountain disappearing than God not loving you. This makes me want to change. This makes me want to please my Father who loves me. This doesn't want me, I don't want to go out there and miss it. I want to get closer. And this is a message that brings me closer, not further away. And he says this, I will build, and listen to this, he says, oh, afflicted city. Have we got an afflicted city right now? Yes, we do. Lashed by storms and not comforted? Yes. 
I'll build you with stones of turquoise, your foundations with sapphires. I will make your battlements of rubies and your gates with sparkling jewels and all your, wo- your walls of precious stones. Your sons will be taught of the Lord and greater will be your children's peace. In righteousness, God's righteousness, you will be established. Tyranny will be far from you. You will have nothing to fear. Terror will be far removed. It will not come near you. If anyone does attack you, listen to this. If anyone does attack you, it will not be my doing. Whoever attacks you will surrender to you. You see, if you start connecting to the authority of Jesus in you, your words become weapons. I've seen it. My body can transfer the peace of God. You see, Jesus couldn't can a storm if he had a storm in his heart, but on the outside became what was on his inside. Peace be still. See, it is I who created the blacksmith who fans the coals into flame and forges a weapon fit for its work. He wants to give you weapons fit for its work. I have created the destroyer to work havoc on the enemy. And he wants to give you those tools. And he wants to give you those weapons. He says, no weapon against you will prevail. And you'll refute every tongue that accuses you. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. And their vindication is from me. Yesterday, another story, an altercation that I had. I didn't bring it on myself. I went to bring peace to a situation and an altercation. And in the physical, I would have been beaten up badly. I think. I like to back myself, but <laughs> big guy, aggressive, angry, needed to bring peace into a situation. The Bible says, in context of the gospel of peace, in Ephesians 6, 15, uh, 6 11, and 15, it says, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the enemy. And you're having your feet fitted in the preparation of the gospel of peace. That word preparation means a firm foundation. You see, the gospel of God making peace with mankind gives you stability in your footing. Hand-to-hand combat, when you were in the army, it was your footing or your legs that needed to be stronger because you need to have a firm footing. You see, if you believe in a faulty theology that God is the author of pain or withholding some promises from you, it makes your footing unstable. It's not him. It makes your footing unstable because we, we're not clear. You see, the gospel, the message of the gospel and the gospel of peace brings clarity to your life. Then we can start to discern, go and get wisdom from God and how to work in and through the current reality that, 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 that I'm coming against. Say, God, what grace do I need Wisdom, etc., etc. But if I can get this thing where my feet are firm, I've got a firm foundation. So when stuff, because stuff happens, doesn't it? When stuff, I've got firm footing. Yesterday, 48 now, I thought I was 25. We had a tree fall over in the road, and Stu was going to kind of help me, and we're, what are we going to do? And I'm like, I thought I was 25 and still buff playing rugger. I went out and I tried to move this tree by myself. 
forgetting that I've got, I still got my knees recovering from an operation. So I tried to pick this tree up and it didn't move and I popped my back a little bit and I was like, okay, I'm not so strong anymore. And, and I, I thought to myself, my leg's not great and I'm, I'm thinking about footing and and anyway, so we had a miraculous turn of events. Some guys came with chainsaws. Five minutes, it was done. But I came back, and we got an environment here, in, in, in here and there was an event happening, and there was, there was some guy who was really upset. He felt he got treated badly. And I walked into the situation, and you, have you ever come across someone who's like, aggro, they're big, and you know this dude can handle himself. So I was like, how are you going to handle this stuff? So in the back of my mind, I back myself. I'm like, I can back myself physically, all those things. But the Lord was like, no, whoa, don't do that. And uh, so I walked into the situation and a whole lot of things going down, a whole bunch of F-bombs happening in the place. And I just remember Jesus, who what he carried produced change. And, and in my life, I've often done this. To, to bring about change. So I just went up and put my hand on his shoulder and things started to de-escalate. Because I, I, I don't want to fight, don't need to fight, but we could bring a, you can bring a change, you can de-escalate things because you carry peace. We fight differently, friends. But in that moment, I thought to myself, ooh, buddy, you don't have good footing. You know, because in my mind, I was like, the first thing I do, being trained and all those things, the army, it's like I'm a, Went and I stood and I put my right leg behind my left one. And I thought to myself, what are you doing? You know, you're having this internal conversation. And the Lord's like, yo, what are you doing? I could flatten you. <laughs> uh, and now I've got a new mate. I've got a new mate now. Because posturing myself differently is to reveal someone who can ultimately change his context in his life. So it, 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 it was like fun. We're like good mates, big hug afterwards. And I hope he doesn't watch this message. So... You know, friends, what brings your footing fund, a, a good footing and a solid foundation is understanding the gospel of peace. Friends, the world is believing this devastation is a God. There's some people in the church who have lived in the church a long time who are still believing this must be God. We cannot as Christians have covenant confusion. We have to come to this place where we're fully understanding the finished work of Jesus and the revealing of who we need to be as the body of Christ. This world's dying, it's hurting, and it's going to get worse. Need people who decide to say, I've got a different narrative because of the author that I've come in contact with. I want to read one more scripture, and then is it possible to even watch a real fun, beautiful, teary little two-minute video? But here's the thing, friends. Then the Living Bible, have we got it? Listen to this. It says, 1 John 4, 18 and 19, the Living Bible just says it so well. We have no fear of someone who loves us perfectly. His perfect love for us eliminates all dread of what he might do to us. If we are afraid, it's for fear of what he might do to us and shows that we're not fully convinced that he really loves us. You see, our love for him comes as a result of him loving us first. So friends, when things are ha bad and happening, and we have to remember certain things. Jesus said, if you see me, you see the Father. Develop your heart consistently in the gospel of peace. And your message to the world is that God 
is at peace with mankind because of what Jesus has done. Tay Tay, can we play that little video? Just listen to this, this, this video, just a little context. Um, a, a father and a newborn. And I want newborn. Oh, oh, this is where I was like, it's impossible for Tanzania to have more babies. Well, I shouldn't say that. We shouldn't say that. Nothing's impossible. We had a fifth after a little operation. But, um, but listen, to, listen to how this father, and just listen to his language when he reveals this. You might have even seen it on um, social media. And then I'll, we'll come after this and we'll pray together. Under that little chicken warmer. <laughs> thing to keep the french fries warm I don't know what kind of insurance we have but that's what they got under and the nurse is about to clean her up and she starts to cry I want you to notice what happens when she hears my voice Okay, I'm right here. It's okay. I'm right here. I'm right here. We're doing just fine. It's okay. It's okay. I'm right here. Right here. Yeah. It's okay. It's okay, baby. Yo, so that was pretty powerful, right? Now, now it's like seven, seven and a half minutes or so later. The nurse is done cleaning her up, and she starts to cry again. I speak up, and she stops crying again. But I want you to notice what happens when I tell her I love her. Portland, it's okay. It's okay. It's good. It's good. It's good. I'm right here. I'm right here. I am right here. I love you. I love you. I love you. Yeah, I'm right here. I'm right here. It's okay. It's okay. So here's the thing. There's going to be times in life where it feels like you're going from conflict to conflict to conflict. Or maybe you're just full of fear because of all the uncertainties right now. The key thing to do in those moments is to be still and listen for the Father's voice. Be still and listen for the Father's voice because he is talking to you. And what he wants you to know is that he's right here. He loves you. All you have to do is open your eyes. Pretty powerful. We are going to start the journey of loving others and loving what's around us if you accept the Father's love for you. The Father's love for us is revealed in Jesus. And the cross says it all about the Father's nature and his character and his personhood and his compassion and his goodness, and his kindness. And on, it's ongoing who the Father is. He's not who the world is saying he is, and he's not who some Christians saying he is. He is who Jesus revealed him to be. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Let's close our eyes and just receive for yourself the knowledge, and not only an intuitive knowledge, but an experiential knowledge that the Father loves you and is for you. God is for us.
If God is for us, who can be against us? Thank you, Jesus. Number one, for who you are and how you revealed our Father. Father, thank you that you set a plan in motion that would redeem a guy like me and would redeem the friends in this house this morning. You did it all and you did it perfectly and you only had to do it once. So I thank you for your grace to help change what we believe about you, Father. Some of us in this room need to repent of our, what we have believed or maybe what we've said of what's happened. When suffering comes, who's the author of it? In life, there's three wills involved. The Father, who says is good, pleasing, and perfect. The enemy, which just comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And my free will. It's often my free will has been my own, I brought pain into my life based around my own free will. So Holy Spirit, I thank you. Just for your revealing, for your heart, for your presence and anointing to change. Thank you. We've got a message and we are messengers and ambassadors of this kingdom. We know our king, we receive a message and we go and tell the world the message that Jesus has brought. So I thank you, Father, for gifts in this home, in this house, for the revealings, all of these things on how we're gonna bring that beautiful message across through our creativity, through our lives, through our work. Let our work become worship. We get paid to preach the gospel. So I thank you, Father. All we need to do, hear your voice, look up and see the one that loves us. In Jesus' name, amen.